Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks, including about 160 wonderful stations all around the country, and XM Channel 166 on Saturday, July 9th, 2011. This is episode 785. Enjoy. This netcast of the Tech Guy show is brought to you by Audible.com. To download a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash techguy. Well, hey, 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 how are you today? Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, the, the digital lifestyle. The digi- is there a, do you have a digital life? I think nowadays, if you have a lifestyle, it's digital, isn't it? Well, that's what we talk about on this show. This is, the, uh, the, um, this is your uh, program guide to the digital lifestyle, your, um, your uh, manual for the digital lifestyle. And you can even ask questions. It's a free. It's FAQ. Frequently asked questions to the digital lifestyle. The number to call if you'd like to participate is eight 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 ask Leo eight 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 two seven five five three six. That's toll free eight 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 two seven five five three six from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Now, actually, I guess not Canada, huh? Just the U.S. But if you're in Canada or Belgium or uh, Zaire or China, or anywhere outside the U.S., you can call that number using Skype out, and it'll be toll-free. So that's good if you have Skype out. 8888-ASK-LEO. It's gotten a lot easier to use Skype, didn't it, all of a sudden? Uh, that was a big announcement. The Facebook, I don't know, they made a mistake, perhaps, saying we have an awesome, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg said it. He was in the Seattle office of Facebook uh, two weeks ago. Right when Google announced their Google Plus social network. And uh, I think Mark, uh, uh, the founder of Facebook, kind of freaked and said, well, we're going to have an awesome announcement next week. Maybe they'd planned it all along. I don't know. But it sure felt like, oh, this is in response to Google. What are they going to come up with? And uh, so the awesome announcement was uh, on Wednesday. And it turned out there were three announcements. Only, only one was even moderately awesome. But, you know, they announced group chat. Mm-hmm. I can hear the uh, crickets. Group. Group. You could chat in a group. We've been doing that since 1992. It's called Internet Relay Chat. We got a chat room group, but no, oh, no, now you can do it on Facebook. Group chat uh, and a newly designed user interface in the chat. That was cool. And uh, but the big announcement, the awesome sauce came out uh, because they also announced video uh, chat. Now I, I'm hearing you say things like, in fact, I heard Tom Anderson, the founder of MySpace, say, well, "We had that in 2004." What? <laughs> but it, but it is, it, and, and of course, every uh, chat client, whether it's Google Talk or uh, AIM or Yahoo Messenger or MSN Messenger, they all have video, don't they? They all have video. So it's not such a big deal to say, 
uh, video chat, but it is Skype, and it's Skype integration into chat. So I kind of I think it's kind of intriguing because uh, what that means is it's very easy. So all you have to do if you're in your uh, Facebook and you go to the chat interface, you'll see the new interface. Probably most of you. I think they're rolling it out. To, you know, not to everybody all at once. But in that new interface, when you you'll see a little camera that says "Start a video call." And that start a video call, the first time you use it, will 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 say, "Oh, you need to install some software." A little, it's Java is this is what the software is written in. So you'll download an .exe file uh, on Windows, a .jar file on uh, the Macintosh. Either way, what it's going to do is install some Java code that will then launch Skype. So it's you know for people who've never used Skype before, it's great. For a number of reasons. First of all, very easy to install. It's built into your Facebook chat, so you don't ha you already have a directory of people to call. Everybody on your Facebook and people you know, pe real people. And in fact, you have a whole system for adding new people. It's called Facebook Friends. Uh, there, the 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 Skype interface is nice and clean. There's not a lot of widgets or doodads or buttons or doohickeys. It's uh, it's all it's just a, a window with video. It's so I think. As unawesome as this might seem to people like me who say, well, wait a minute, what's new there? Everybody's had that for ages. It's awesome for people uh, who aren't geeks, who do use Skype, who say, uh, yeah, I'd like, to call the, I'd like to call the grandkids once. Well, this is probably the most common use of it, right? It's grandparents calling the grandkids. Of course, that means now grandkids have to be your Facebook friends. I have a feeling that might be an impediment there. My kids have never never friended me on Facebook. They say, no, Dad, we're not going to... What? I don't want you to be my friend. So uh, maybe there's a little fly in the ointment there. But it is the easiest, by far, the easiest way I've ever seen to use Skype. It's great news for Skype. Now, remember, Skype just got sold to Microsoft for $8.5 billion. That deal isn't closed yet. Um, so, you know, it's possible that regulators could hold it up, although I think it's already been approved by the Department of Justice, so it seems unlikely that anybody else is going to complain. Um, and and they asked uh, Tony Coates, the CEO of Skype, at this Facebook announcement. Well, you know, what? How does how does the Microsoft deal change? And he said, doesn't change anything at all. In fact, as soon as the deal went through, first thing I did is I called Mark and said, Hey, Mark, just wanted to let you know we are now a Microsoft company. And then they asked Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. He said, You know, that's great. In fact, <laughs> talk about spin. It reassures us because we now we now know. <laughs> <laughs> that Skype is here to stay with a great big infrastructure and so forth. You know, it's, I, it's, it's Skype is probably the only company that it could have worked with Facebook because Facebook, face it, has 700, and they said this too, Facebook has 750 million active users. That's something like a half, 40% of all internet users. Huge percentage of all internet users are on Facebook actively every month. So uh, uh, that's a lot of people could really bring down any server system. Facebook has an amazing infrastructure, but Skype does too, because Skype, unlike almost anybody uh, else I know, uh, does something, it's called a peer-to-peer -peer network. Instead of having big servers somewhere at Skype Central that you all call into, 
everybody who's on the Skype network kind of helps everybody else out by sending a little traffic. So it's distributed. It's it, we call this geeks call this scaling. It scales well. It grows bigger very effectively because as you as the network grows, as you get more people using the network, you also get more people helping the network. So in fact, this is great. I think for Skype. Skype also has a chance to make some money on it because they will, they said, eventually allow you to do things like I was talking about, Skype out, make outbound calls to phones from Facebook. In fact, I'll tell you who should be scared about this is the phone company. What if, what if Facebook, what if suddenly you can make phone calls right from Facebook to any phone for free? Whoa. Whoa. If I had a phone company, I'd be a little nervous about that. So I think this was, in some ways, this wasn't an awesome announcement. The geeks said, oh, you know, big deal. Everybody's been doing that for years. But it's Facebook. Don't forget. And when Facebook does something that's significant, it's not insignificant. And, um, you know, I mean, the other thing people pointed out is, is, well, if this is a response to Google's social network, Google+, Plus, it's a tepid response because Google+, Plus already has this. Even better, they have something called Hangouts. In a Hangout, you start a call and they're with you and nine other people. You can have 10 people in these calls. And whoever's talking's picture gets big. And then when somebody else talks, they go zoom in. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, very easy to use. Works quite well. You also have to download a plugin. It's not Skype. Um, it's something else. Right now, it's something called Video, V-I-D-Y-O.com. But uh, Facebook's, I mean, Skype, uh, who am I talking about now? Oh, yeah, Google. <laughs> Google says... We're going to make this open source so everybody can use it. And that's kind of the difference between Facebook and Google. Google is kind of trying to do something that is open. That means you could write software that works with it. You could take advantage of it. You could use it in your business. Um, Facebook wants to, you know, they, they want to own it all. They really, This is their, their bid to take over the Internet. Just as, But you know what? This isn't anything new either. This is why it's good to have an, an old tech guy. I'm old, and I remember... A thing, a little old thing called America Online. Remember that? They were the internet for a long time for a lot of people. This is kind of like that. Hey, let's take a break. Take your calls. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion, I can't do it. This portion of the Tech Guy show uh, and the Tech Guy podcast brought to you by Audible.com. Did you know we have a. It's crazy. Our great friends at Audible are actually now sponsoring the Tech Guy podcast. Yes, they are. And we even have a special deal for you, a, a free book. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash techguy, you know about, I've told you about Audible before. It's the great resource for people who love to read or people who want to read but just don't have time anymore. That was me. And then I realized, well, I'm spending two hours a day in the car commuting, so I started listening to audiobooks. That was in 2000. 500 books later, my brain is full. It's just great. Look at this. I was how I invented the personal computer and had fun along the way by Steve Wozniak and our friend Gina Smith. Uh, Tabloid City, a novel by Pete Hamill. If you like if you like thrillers, if you like fiction, if you like history, if you like, you know, nonfiction, business books, classics, or mix it up. There's a great sci-fi section to it, Audible. The problem's gonna be what's what's the first book? What's the one book? This would be a good one, Solaris. Brand new translation commissioned by Audible. And a really, I just got this, a really nice production of it. Will Wheaton narrating John Scalzi's classic, Fuzzy Nation. This is a classic. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash techguy. 
T-E-C-H-G-U-I. You'll be signing up for the gold account. That's the book a month subscription. That's the one I recommend. But the first month's free. That means the first book's free. You can cancel at any time, and it's yours to keep forever. That's one of the other things I love about Audible. Look at my library. 500 books in here. And I've got the Audible uh, uh, app on my iPhone and my Android phone, so I can listen to any of these books anytime I want. See, I just got Solaris. That's just Or send it wirelessly to your Kindle. Works on a lot of different devices. Or your computer. It's the best way to get reading done. Audiblepodcast.com slash techguy. And we thank Audible so much for their support, without which I wouldn't be able to wear this outfit. And now we return to the Tech Guy Show. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, you want to talk high-tech like Larry does in San Diego, our first call of the day. Hi, Larry. Leo Laporte here. Hello. Oh, did I? Yeah, I pressed the button. Line one, Matt. Larry, I picked him up. I don't hear anything. Hi, Larry. Yes. There's Larry. Hey, Larry. Welcome to the show. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. I have a question about URL shorteners. Yes, sir. Uh, like Bitly. Yeah. I understand they make it convenient where a person needs to type a URL by hand or in Twitter where the post link is really short. Right. But I've been seeing shortened URLs in, like, blog posts and Facebook status updates. Everywhere. And even things like e email and regular pages like news articles. And, like, as a reader of a page, I don't like shoot shortened URLs because it's not easy for me to know where the page goes. Boy, you are so smart. That's exactly... Exactly right, Larry. The first one I remember of these was a, a company called Tiny URL, um, and I think you know they were around before Twitter for exactly the reason that you mentioned. You could say a, na a URL, a complicated uh, web address, out loud uh, in a, you know a few letters. So, for instance, if you we have a uh, a spy cam set up on the new studio construction. And it's a long URL, but it, but we've made it a bit.ly, which is another URL shortener. So you go to bit.ly slash twitdrop. And that's easier to remember than the, than the full URL. In some you know, really the reason this had to happen is because some URLs are impossible to communicate, you know. Uh, unless you're clicking on a link, you're not going to type them in. They have long numbers, a lot of... Um, a lot of online newspapers and blogs have very long numeric URLs that you just can't type in. You can't say out loud. I, I remember talking to Tim Berners-Lee, the guy who invented the World Wide Web back in 1989. And, uh, and Tim said, I never intended for anybody to type in those addresses. They were for machines. They were never intended for humans. He thought in the in the World Wide Web that you'd only be clicking links. But now he wasn't really th thinking far enough ahead as to, I mean, the, the web has become something much, much uh, greater than he had originally thought. So unfortunately, we got stuck with this kind of machine-oriented syntax. Even HTTP colon slash slash is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> fortunately, on uh, modern browsers, you don't have to type that. And so we could stop saying those letters. Um, but there is a negative and you hit the nail on the head. When you use a tiny URL, you're obscuring where you're really sending people. 
So when I say bit.ly slash twitdrop, I could be sending you to hackers.com. You know, I could be sending you to a malicious page, and you don't have any way of, of validating or vetting that. So there's a negative to it. I don't think we're going to get rid of tiny URLs. In fact, they really the URL shorteners took off when when uh, when Twitter came along. What I would suggest is using a URL shortener that well, a couple of things. First of all, use a URL shortener from a, from an upstanding company like Bit.ly. That's a very good company. Bit.ly. Uh, Twitter has its own T.co. You if you see a T.co or a Bit.ly. Uh, you, you have a little more certainty that you know there's somebody minding the minding the shop and, and keeping an eye out for malicious links. Google has its own goo.gl. When you see those, I think you know, especially Google, because they have a malware uh, database that they check these URLs against. You could be pretty sure that the site's okay, but you still have this problem. There are plugins for Firefox and Chrome and other browsers that will let you hover a mouse over a shortened URL and see what the full URL is. And if you use Twitter itself, if you're in the Twitter web page, which I know most people are not, uh, Twitter's own web page will, ex will lengthen those URLs uh, so you can see, in, mo in many cases, not all cases, but if it's using the Twitter URLs, so you can see where that would send you. There's a great Twitter web client called Brizzly that I use, B-R-I-Z-Z-L-Y.com, that pioneered this. But you're absolutely right, Larry. I'm glad you, you even are thinking along these lines that there is an inherent danger to hiding where you're sending people. And we've said this over and over again. Be very careful about clicking links in general. So um, the, the answer, I guess, is um, be careful. I don't think we're going to see them go away because you just quoted three good reasons. It's too hard to type these in. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's too difficult to do so. It's uh, sometimes hard to say them. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of websites don't have friendly URLs. I think we're moving in a direction where URLs are more friendly, and I hope that that, that, that becomes the case. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to see if I go to ZDNet. I think they, were, they used to have terrible URLs. It's because they're using a content management system that doesn't do human URLs. It, uh, let me just click on a link in an article and see. You know, WordPress, yeah. I mean, they're at least now in English. ZDNet actually has fixed their URLs. They used to be numeric. They're at least now in English, but they're but that's probably 100 characters. You're not going to you're not going to tell somebody, "Oh yeah, I want to send you this article zdnet.com/blog/security/anonymous-releases-private-emails-government-contracts-vpn-credentials-and-more/8973-question-mark-tag-equals-mantle-underscore-skin-semicolon-content." Type that in three times fast. So it's much easier to use a URL shortener. But you hit the nail on the head. There are some risks involved. And I don't know what the answer is except for sites that kind of automatically resolve, like Twitter.com does now, automatically resolve the shortened URLs in many cases. Uh, I'm, I'm looking right now at a Twitter URL. And it's a bit.ly URL on the web page. But if you hover your mouse over it, then you'll get a pop-up that says the full URL. Now, remember, we you know we still don't we can't look at a URL and say that's safe. So, to some degree, there's still that risk. One of the things that we do see is that 
perfectly respectable web pages due to flaws in the software they're using get hacked all the time and malware sits on that page so you can go to a respectable or nominally respectable url and still get in trouble best thing the best really the best thing to do is to secure your machine because if you're using the web there's always a risk so make sure that for instance i'll go through this again because we've got a patch tuesday coming up 22 critical patches from microsoft this coming tuesday make sure you automatically do all of those windows updates os 10 updates the minute they're available do them that's the number one way you can prevent getting infected by a, a rogue web page it's it's not not necessarily the antivirus software it's it's more importantly it's making sure that your operating system is patched. Then, of course, good antivirus software. Don't accept files from strangers. Be very careful about what you download and where. Do be careful about what pages you visit. But it's perfectly possible to go to a respectable page that has been through no fault of the page owner, but just through some security flaws. And I know because this happened to me. So I would not cast aspersions that has been hacked. We have uh, this happened to me uh, two or three weeks ago on my Twitch server. Somebody had found an, an exploit through an old version of WordPress. Was able to get in. Didn't get very far. We caught it, but uh, it's easy to have it happen. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number. Back to the phones. We go. Adam in Colorado. Hi, Adam. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm doing great. I thanks for taking my call. I've been a listener since um, the beginning, since the screensavers, and uh, just more recently started listening to Mask Break Weekly, uh, Google, and uh, Windows Weekly. And Thank you. Really enjoy the stuff you guys produce. These are the these are the uh, shows that we do all week long. You know, I the radio shows just the weekend, so I got bored. So so I do shows all week long and then turn into a network and now I think we have two dozen shows. But I do a total of besides this show, a total of uh, nine other shows. All about all kinds of technology. It makes my commute really interesting. Good. So. Thank you. So I, I have a question. Um, I'm a computer science student at a local university. Um, I'm a huge Mac user. I've been looking at doing um, some mobile application development. Great. Um, but some of my ideas already exist in like the Apple App Store. And I'm just wondering um, if you know, with you half would... a million applications, you're pretty you're pretty darn sure there's going to be many versions of the same, you know, tip calculator <laughs> there's a lot right. of overlap yeah so it's hard to you know i'll tell you this is actually an interesting challenge people learn to program but very frequently programmers then go out looking for problems to solve um, it's not necessarily the case that the same people who have all these great ideas about you know stuff they want to make are the same people who know how to make it um, so one thing that happens is you look for somebody who has some ideas um, another thing that happens is you you look around and you start you start you know the one of the things a lot of programmers do is uh, what they call it scratching their own itch. They uh, they write a program and almost always when you first start programming you write a program to solve your a problem that you have and don't worry about what other people want it. Right. What kind of uh, what kind of uh, stuff are you interested in? Um. Well, I I have this iPod Touch. 
so I use it a lot for like taking notes in school and uh, listening to music and recording lectures and stuff. So I looked at doing something like that, but there's Evernote. I know. There's a million notepad app and note-taking apps. And you're competing against some of the best people in the business, including Dan Bricklin, the guy who wrote VisiCalc. He has his own uh, really nice notepad app for the iPad. So you're right. There's a little competition in that field. But there's nothing wrong with... Uh, you know, remember, y y you shouldn't say, I'm not going to write a program unless it's going to be a million seller. Nothing wrong with your first program and being something that others have done. In fact, it's very common that one of the first programs people write is a note-taking app because they're fairly easy to do because the libraries support the text and everything you need to do. I think that's a good way to start. Do you, you want to write for iOS? Um, well, that, that's really the core of my question. Um, you know, there's like WebOS, there's Android, there's Windows 7, uh, and those are starting to develop. I'm just wondering if um, maybe, it, would you recommend maybe not developing on iOS because it is such a mature platform and maybe... Uh, it's mature, but there's, you know, what is it? There are 75 million users. That's true. That ain't so bad. Uh, plus, there's a very robust infrastructure for distribution. You have to get Apple to approve it. That might be the bigger negative. You have to pay 99 bucks, and you have to get Apple to approve it. Um, but I don't think that because iOS is out there and mature is a, way, is a reason to stay away from it. Any more, any more than I would say, oh, whatever you do, don't program for Windows. Everybody's done that. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not a reason not to do it. I would, I would program for the environment that you use and understand. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Android in the long run is going to have more users than anything else. Uh, they're growing at a rapid clip, half a million new users a day. So, wow. Yeah, wow. So that's huge. Plus, there are fewer, but not, you know, okay, so Apple has a half million apps. I, I think there's 350,000 Android apps. I, I think the difference is minimal. Um, you, know, the, you know who doesn't have apps is WebOS, as you said, and uh, Windows Phone 7. So there's an opportunity there, but the development platforms are very different for all four of them. You know, and for Google, you develop in Java. Uh, for iOS, you develop in usually in Objective-C. Uh, right. For uh, WebOS, I'm not sure. I think it's JavaScript. I think it's more like a JavaScript CSS kind of a thing. And uh, for um, for Windows Phone 7, you have to use .NET. So it's all, di you know, it's different platforms. But I'll tell you one. You're a student, right? You you learn one. Right. It's all the same. You know, mobile development is always is, has a lot of things in common. So you learn one, you're going to be able to quickly transfer. In fact, that's why I think what's not unusual is somebody writes it first for iOS, and they say, all right, let's try it out now. Now let's rewrite it for Android. So that's what I would do. You've got iOS already. Develop for iOS, and then try porting it. Whether you plan to sell it or not, try porting it over to Android. Boy, then you'd have expertise in both sides. Okay. Um, do you recommend any training resources for um, iOS programming? Uh, yeah, Apple has excellent resources to start with. And then if, uh, if you have the time and money, uh, bignerdranch.com is the place to learn iOS programming. Uh, or your school. Where do you go to school? Uh, Colorado State University. I bet they you anything Colorado State has some good mobile programming. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, Stanford has the best-known iOS programming class. It's so well-known. 
because a number of very well-known apps have come out of it. And the professor, uh, one of the professors has written an incredibly good iOS app himself that he gives away for free that's a, a camera app for iOS. So you're, and, and often Apple, because Stanford's so close to the Apple campus, I think every semester they have some one or two people from Apple in the in the instructor list so it's a so and by the way you can that class is on itunes U, so you don't have to be a stanford student yes you can download the videos of that class all the materials what they do though it's interesting they take it down each year each semester and they put the new one up which i guess keeps it up today yeah oh that look let me tell you this is a great time to learn anything because everything's online now. So uh, the Stanford class at iTunes U, great place to start. Uh, Big Nerd Ranch, uh, you know, uh, they have a number of books. There's some very good books on iOS or iPhone and, uh, and iPod uh, programming. Uh, O'Reilly has an excellent book, too. Uh, there's, they're, they're, and then Apple's resources themselves. If you doubt, you know, pay the 99 bucks. You don't have to pay 99 bucks to download the uh, development tools. In fact, it's 5 bucks on the App Store if you have a Macintosh. And then right. you've got the SDK and everything. You only have to pay 99 bucks if you want to then put it in the Apple Store. Okay. I wouldn't worry about that initially. Because you can write the, write the program and put it on your iPod Touch. You don't need Apple's permission to do that. So, boy, this is, I tell you what, you're, uh, Adam, you're on the right track. This is the, a great time to be learning mobile app programming. That's, that's going to be the hot thing for the next few years for sure. And the nice thing is programming is programming. It's all objective, uh, you know, object-oriented programming. It all uses this MVC uh, system that, uh, that just becomes the standard among uh, the developers. Uh, units, test units, test-driven programming, all of these buzzwords, all of this stuff is happening in mobile. So you can learn all the best practices in programming in general by programming uh, mobile devices. And it's a little challenging because you don't have unlimited RAM. You don't have unlimited resources, so you have to be a little smart. That's, that was the fun thing about programming in the early days, back when I was a youngster. You didn't have much memory. You had to really kind of work around the limits. Bill Gates is quite famous. In fact, he's, he, uh, he, he loves talking about BASIC, the BASIC that he wrote, the very first BASIC he wrote for the Mitz Altair. He had such limited, constrained memory. He did all sorts of tricks, and he's, and he's very proud of it. You know, what a genius. <laughs> 8888-ASK-LEO. Let's take some more calls right after this break. Leo Laporte, the E-Tech Guy. Leo Laporte, the E-Tech Guy. Talking about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players. All that stuff. Phone number is 8888-ASK-LEO. Greg is in Memphis, Tennessee, our next caller. Hey, Greg. Leo. Welcome, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, yeah, hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got an HP laptop that I'm thinking it's got an extra drive bay, and I'm thinking about adding a solid-state drive to it, and I noticed they're kind of expensive. Yes, they and are. What your opinion was about them. Are they worth the money? Oh, I don't buy a new computer without a solid-state drive, period. Um, they make such a difference. But the thing on the solid-state drive is, as, they are, as, you, as you point out, they're very expensive. Don't, so don't expect to get the same capacities as you get for a spinning drive. Now, it's nice that you have a second bay because the best way to do a solid-state, the most, most recent computer, I just bought a, an iMac, and Apple's now offering this uh, standard on their iMacs with a solid-state boot drive 
This one's 256 megs, which is pretty big. I think 64 gigs. I'm sorry, 256 gigs. 64 gigs would be enough. And then a terabyte second drive for all the data. So you put, what you do is you put the operating system on the SSD. You put your applications on the SSD. Those things, it speeds up launch times and boot times by several orders. I mean, it's really amazing. That's what I was thinking about doing was putting my operating system in on uh, the solid state in my apps. Exactly. And just, I have a lot of music on my laptop. Right. I just can move all that data. Right. Use that's in there now and put it in as a slave and use it as a to hold the data. Exactly. So you boot from the solid state because it gives you fast boot times. We're talking 10, 15 second boot times. And okay. then and then applications launch in, in seconds. Uh, so you put all that on the solid state drive. That is another advantage. You know, you're not thrashing the drive so much. You don't change that stuff so much. The data is on a spinning drive where it can change all the time. And I'd, I'd even put the temp files and the cache files on the on the spinning drive just to, you know, sometimes people say, well, what about longevity with solid state? These solid state drives are essentially the same kind of flash memory that you use in your camera, in your phone. Uh, but there's a lot more of it, so it's 64 gigs or 128 gigs or even 256 gigs, um, and it and it reads and writes very fast. But people say, well, "Won't you wear it out?" And so far, we haven't seen that be a problem. They do all sorts of clever things to keep from wearing it out, but it's not a bad idea to put uh, the stuff that you're writing and reading uh, writing a lot. Not reading, reading's not such a problem. It's writing that wears it out. So all the stuff that you're writing and rewriting, like the temp files, like the cache file, put that on the spinning drive. Okay. Uh, do you have any recommendation on brands? I noticed there are all kinds of brands out there. Some of them I've never even heard of. Yeah, it's very confusing, and that's why I'm going to send you to a website, pcper.com. You can't even tell by brand. What you're really telling, uh, what you want to look at is a controller card. But uh, we've got a guy, Alan Malventano. He's a brilliant fella. Uh, who in, and he has written in what he calls the SSD decoder. So if you go to PCPer.com and on the right there's a tab that says SSD decoder, he has a table that he's created. It's a really great table of all the different drive manufacturers, and he reviews them all and the speeds and all of that. And what you're looking at really is you wanna you wanna look at the controller. That's what really tells you what's going to be the best firmware and so forth. And, and um, so this is very valuable. You're, you, you might look for something called trim. You're using Windows? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. Windows. Oh, yes, it was an HP. That's right. Yeah, uh, if it's Windows 7, it supports trim. Trim can keep a, a, a solid-state drive a little bit faster. There's a debate over this. There's even a debate. I had I, when I was at, at CES in Vegas in January, two Intel guys from their solid-state. They make the best solid-state drives, by the way, but they're also the most expensive. Two guys from their SSD division came over, and I asked him about this trim feature. Alan was the one who discovered it, by the way. He found that as you use a solid-state drive over time it can get slower and slower it's the it's effectively uh, kind of like what happens to hard drives with fragmentation but it's it's not the same thing but it's that's probably the closest analog and trim prevents that 
And one guy, one of the two people on the SSD team said, oh, yes, trim is important. You should have an operating system with a sports trim. The other guy said, ah, it's not that important. <laughs> so what we find is the drive is really fast when you get it, and then it gets slightly less fast over time. But it's still much, much faster. It's, it's, it's only slightly less faster. So I wouldn't, you know, you can look here and say, well, I need trim or not, and, it, and, and Alan will tell you whether it supports it or not. Um, but he reviews all the drives. This is, Alan is just the best, and this is a really fantastic uh, document that he's created for us. It's the, trim, the controller you were talking about? It's, it, trim is in the controller. The, the Sandforce controller, is, as I remember m most recently, is, the, is, is probably the best one. But um, there are other good controllers. He, ta he talks about the whole thing, and he's more up-to-date on this than I am. So what I would do is I would just go to PCPer.com and look at what his recommendations are. And he'll give you a price performance curve too, so you know you can. Of course, you're gonna if you spend more, you get better performance. But is it worth it? Is the question. He's very practical. Okay, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Yeah, I do love these, Greg. I think I think this is one of the most exciting things that's happened to the PC. The direct link is pcper.com/ssd, uh, and I think it's great. Hey, Matt, I, I think I should pause here for a mem mention of one of our fine sponsors, should I not? Or, or do you think not? I think not. You think not? Well, then I'll take another call. Uh, let's go to Harry in Lancaster, California. Harry, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Morning, Leo. Good morning. Um, got a problem about 10 days ago. Um, I've got several, several machines. I have uh, Windows 7 and Vistas and so forth. But my wireless system is, is running local only on Vistas. The rest of the machines, if I'm plugged into the router, they're fine, Internet and local. But anytime I fire up a wireless, I get a local only, and I can't get on the net with my wireless. So, it's, uh, I mean, that's hard for me to tell, but it sounds like it's probably a configuration issue with that uh, wireless card. Uh, you know, if you go to your control panel and you look at your network configurations in there, you'll see uh, on that machine, you'll see one for wireless. And it's it's active. It is active. Okay, that's the first thing you check. I've been on the net and looking, and it says, well, this is particular to Vista. And I'm saying, look, I'm leasing this machine. Microsoft, you own it. You own the software. <laughs> so, so fix this. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I wasn't a big fan of Vista, but I don't think that there is any. You know, if if there were a big problem with Vista not being able to get on Wi-Fi networks, I think we would have heard a little bit of screaming and yelling. It sounds like kind of a specialized thing. It could be an error with you know that particular hardware. It could be it's not configured properly. Have you repaired the connection? Have you tried to drop and re re reconnect? Absolutely, and that everything. Do I've even re I have replaced the router, uh, the wireless router, a different one, and reconfigured it, and I get the same thing on the Vista machine. But you can see the LAN, uh, and you can get to other machines on that network. Oh yes. Yeah. But so the card, the card is working. It's on the network. It's just not getting on the internet. Well, uh, I went on. And, it, a, and is it I getting a self-assigned IP address? Is it? Uh, no, I have not tried is that. Is it getting Well, just look at the IP address. Is it 169.something? That's a, what's what we call a self-assigned IP address. It's a, yeah, it's It is. Yeah. So that means what it's, it's for some reason it's not getting what it needs from the Wi-Fi router, which is supposed to assign it an IP address. 
Um, it could be a yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's a flaw in Vista. It could be that, or it could be a. Let's see. Windows Vista cannot obtain an IP. Here's a tech note that our chat room gave me. Thank you, chat room. This is uh, at the knowledge base Microsoft knowledge base article nine two eight two three three. Maybe you've seen this one already. Vista cannot get an IP address from certain routers or certain non-Microsoft DHCP servers. I wonder if they mention which routers it is. There is a uh, there is a hot fix there. That's a basically these hot fixes are registry patches. So you might try that. Point two three three. Yeah. So go to yeah support.microsoft.com and search for nine two eight two three three. Okay, I, I can do that. Uh, another question, possibly, sir. I've um, every time I fire my office machine, it says you have an update waiting on Windows. Uh -huh. So I ask for it. It tries to run it, and it pops back says you have an error message. You have a different flavor of Windows Live, so they can't install the update. Well, I, I think probably you could do this manually if you go to get.live.com. And down there, you'll get a little downloader there, and you can download uh, an update. Windows uh, Live has been updated many times in the last year. So if that's the, but I'll be honest with you, if that's all that's holding it up, that's not a that's not a cri critical flaw. I probably wouldn't worry about it. We'll put a link. Doctor Mom's also sent me a link to a Microsoft Answers page that has some information about this. We'll we'll put a link back to that too. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. It's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion. Uh, let's go to uh, New Hampshire. Jason's on the line. Hi, Jason. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good, well, good afternoon, Leo. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Just on my way home from Mount Washington up here, and there, had a great time. Did some uh, ham radio communication. Are you a ham? Are you a ham? Oh, you caught me. I'm going to be a ham soon. I, I, I you know, uh, we do a show on the on the podcast network uh, with Bob Heil and Gordon West, two well-known hams. I know Gordon listens to the show. Hi, Gordo. Uh, and uh, it's called Ham Nation. And they, uh, Bob said, I'm not doing this show unless you become a ham. And I thought, well, I've always wanted to be a ham. And now that you don't have to learn code, you know, you used to have to learn Morse code, it's a little easier to get. I think it'll be a little easier, although I've been taking the practice tests for this uh, technician element, too, and it's not that it's not that easy, but I think I can pass it, and I'm hoping to get my uh, my call signs for the new studio. We're going to have a nice little ham rig, so if you come up and visit us, uh, Jason, you can uh, you can do a little... Uh, uh, in uh, end of September, we're going to be taking our first honeymoon 10 years later and we're actually coming to san francisco and that's one of our stops we will try to make oh please do and then i know i'm not a ham but i'm told that if you have a ham rig uh and you're the licensee you can have guest hams on there well yeah if you can hold a license you can have anyone operate. anybody could use it right i'm the operator of record or whatever they call it but yeah. but but then i think we want to have like little they're not qsl calls but cards but little cards that say you know you broadcast from the the, the tech guy's ham rig. Does that make sense? That would that would be cool. Okay, so we're going to do that. Really cool. We're going to do that. In fact, Bob says he's going to get me some vanity call letters. So we'll have uh, we'll have some vanity call letters. We'll have little cards made up, and then hams visit the studio. They can do a little, you know, 
little CQ CQ, and we'll we'll let you use use the thing. CQDX. Yeah, and not only can you get your call, but if you make a club, if you have like the Tech Guy Radio Club, yeah, call sign. That'd be good. Maybe we'll do that. You only need, I think, four people for a club, right? It doesn't have to be that big. Uh, well, I have to drop all the papers and whatnot, and go around all the Roberts rules and all that. Eh, I'll make I'll make Bob Heil do it. Yeah. <laughs> Gordo, Gordo, would you do that for me? He's been very great. You know, they're going to make me take the test on the air. <laughs> Isn't that silly? So, uh, go right on the hair mission program. No pressure. <laughs> You know, uh, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very glad that you're learning the material instead of learning the test. There's a lot of courses going around right now. Become a ham over the weekend. They learn the questions and nothing about becoming a ham. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. The technician license especially doesn't look too difficult. But I am. uh, Gordo's great. Uh, Gordon West does a whole. He does classes. Uh, He's down there in, uh, I think, is he in, uh, he's in the L.A. area, I think, or maybe Corona Del Mar. Anyway, he does classes. uh, And I have his four four CDs, great audio material. And I have his technician book. And, yeah, I want to learn the I want to learn the content because the truth is uh, I'm the tech guy, and if you know if I if I don't learn the content, and people ask me questions, I'm going to sound like an idiot. I would yeah. now how now are you are you are you a general or an, an extra, Jason? What what is your? I've been here for four years. Four of the twenty words a minute went away. So oh, so you know the CW and everything. So uh, uh, no, I've forgotten most of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I want to learn that too. I want to do the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. It really is. It seems like it's fun. The good news is, because I've been in radio thirty-six years, and uh, you know, I know a, I know a few of this. I mean, it's not like all uh, Greek to me, so I don't think it's going to be too hard. I have two weeks to to learn and take the test, and then I want to then I want to go for general. <laughs> and I promise, folks, a lot of people listening going, "Oh, I hope he's not going to start talking about ham radio all the time." I promise, I won't do that. But it's you know, hams are really important. I, I think people don't really give enough credit to, uh, you know, the truth is, uh, uh, cell cell phones. We owe we owe hams a great uh, debt uh, for because the data over our cell phones were first done with hams with packet radio, and uh, you know, I mean, the, in in times of emergency like Katrina. Uh, hams are indispensable when when regular communications don't work. So uh, hams are really important to this to this country, to our safety, and uh, and frankly to technology in general. So I want to I want to give them a little bit of credit, and that's one of the reasons I'd like to become one. On behalf of the ham world, thank you, sir. <laughs> so now let me answer your question. All right, um, it's actually uh, I got a quick one I'll do at the end, but I'm putting together an event calendar. So when hams have a public service event, like I'm coming from the Newton's Revenge event, I want to have a place to where they can go and look stuff up. So I want to look for an event calendar. Wait, wait, now, when you say look stuff up, do you want to... Uh, is it after the event so they have pictures and stuff, or is it before the event so they have a schedule? What is it exactly that you want them to be able to look up? Well, at? after the event would be in later in later uh, models but okay. currently right now I want to have a calendar and in, you know and on the home page the calendar comes up click on a link and it takes you to the event details but I also want to have a, a community where you know they sign up to the website and then they find this event they want to participate in and then they can click on a link to join or say 
I want to volunteer for that event. Yeah. Well, there's. I, mean, I know a little coding is going to be there, but everything I've found so far is just there's nothing of what I need. Yeah. Know what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean there are uh, services like this, and what the first one that leaps to mind is Meetup.com. And uh, and now, well, the thing is, this is free, but it isn't your page. Although you could put a an iframe if you understand web web design, you could put an iframe on your page with the Meetup.com page. I bet you. Let me just see if there's hams using Meetup already. Um, the idea is for no, uh, I don't think there are any. So this is something maybe uh, you'd be the first. Um, but meet, I would I would look at meetup.com at least to see what the functionality is. A lot of people use this exactly as you just described. Okay. So um, it isn't your own page, but you could either have a link on your page to it or you could embed it on your page. You're right. If you want to do this on your own page, are you? Uh, do you have a site right now? I do have a but, uh, domain name, yes. But not, but not actually content on it. No, it's all testing right now because I haven't found anything that yeah. meets. So you'd, you'd need a content management system running on it. And you'd need plugins for that content management system that would do this kind of calendaring and event stuff. And I'm sure that WordPress would have something like that. I would take a look at WordPress. Um, but you now, to do this, you're going to have to know how to run a server, know how to install software on the server, know how to upload content. It's a lot of work, and it may not be something, I mean, Jason, you're technical, obviously, um, but it may not be something that you want to become an expert at, which is why a site like meetup.com uh, can kind of solve this problem by doing all of that for you, and you just have a link to that. I run a server at the house. I mean, it's not at the rack too. It's nothing special. All right. Well, so you need a you need an Apache server running PHP and MySQL. You could yeah. do that yeah. yourself, or you could you could rent that from somebody. A lot of uh, uh, web uh, hosting companies have kind of one button installs of WordPress, and then I would do. I don't know off the top of my head, but I suspect you know the reason I mentioned WordPress. It's been around for the longest. It's the it's very well known, and I would suspect that there are plugins for WordPress. You know. Lots of third-party plugins have been written for WordPress, people who want to add capabilities. And I would suspect that you could cobble together a couple of different plugins to make it exactly what you are describing. I must have missed a detail somewhere in WordPress. Cause I, put, I used, uh, was it Fantastico, I think it is, and installed that. And I, I must have missed that. So. Well, it wouldn't uh, be something built into WordPress. So WordPress is a content management system. has its own capabilities. But then you go to the WordPress extensions, which is on the WordPress.org site, and search for something like that. I bet you there's something. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, hammer time. Or should we say, tech guy time. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. Let's talk tech. Your questions, your comments, your suggestions. Dwight in Escondido, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Dwight. Hey, uh, Leo. Uh, by the way, you do look much better uh, with the whole uh, outfit on. You're, you're, you're busting me, man. <laughs> Nobody knows. This is radio. They can't tell that I'm wearing a fuzzy hat and goggles. Well, you look so much better that way, Leo. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> Dwight, oh, okay. you, you, you outed me. <laughs> what? It's radio. No one knows what I look like. What can I do for you today? 
For 10 years, I've taught computers to senior citizens. It's a great thing to do. Good for you. I think that is abs. I completely agree with you. In fact, I keep trying to get young kids to do this, too, because uh, the kids would benefit by the exposure to our elders, and the elders would benefit by learning how to use technology. That's right. Well, I'm 63, so I'm right up there with them. Yeah. So they accept me. Yes. Anyway, I have a student who has a Nikon uh, DSLR uh, camera. Okay. And he has an eye problem. He cannot see the images if they're sharp on the display. Yeah. So he's looking for some type of device to display those images in the field after he takes it so he can see if they're sharp or not. Yes. Now, I looked at the iFi, last night I did some searches on the internet, I looked at the iFi SD card that he could put into a a compact flash adapter and maybe transmit that image to a handheld uh, computer device in his hand. That's what. That's actually a great way uh, to do it, and a lot of professionals do this. If you're in studio, they'll use wireless rigs on their camera that then send it to the laptop because even the professional can't look at the 3-inch LCD or the 2.5-inch LCD on a DSLR and tell if it's in focus, if it's properly composed. They want to see it on a bigger screen, so that's not unusual. There is a company called Hoodman or Hoodman, H-O-O-D-M-A-N, USA.com that makes a loop which is a magnifier that goes over the LCD on the back of the camera. Huh. And that might be more practical because he it's not, you know, he could just carry it around with him all the time. He doesn't need to uh, do anything special. And uh, and he puts his eye up against that LCD and he can actually see quite well. This is also intended for professionals because professionals uh, don't, you know, even, you know, if they're really trying to see what it looks like, have a hard time uh, looking at that LCD. And so they, this, this I, see, I know a lot of pros that use the Hoodman. Okay, that's something I can uh, show him. Yeah, just now it goes over, not over the eyepiece you know, that he's sighting it through. Is that where he's having trouble or is it on the LCD after the fact? It's on the LCD after the fact. Yeah, this is perfect for that. It's it's basically a loop. You've seen a loop before. Jewelers use them and so sure. forth. Sure, I worked at GIA looking at minerals. I know all about. Oh, that. you do. You totally know about a loop. It's a loop designed sure. exactly for a DSLR. They make them for the specific camera model that he has. Um, it's a okay. great solution, and I, I think they're. Let me see how expensive they are. That's the only. The only. Well, they're eighty bucks. That's not too bad. I no, that's not, that's not bad at all. Liam. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, going with an iFi and a, 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 a laptop, you know, tablet type, it's going to be, oh, up in the four to five, six hundred dollars range. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, the iFi is great. So let me just tell people what it is because it's kind of a miracle. It's an SD card. Just looks like a regular SD card, a memory card you'd put in your camera, but it has Wi-Fi built into it. So if you're on a Wi-Fi, uh, within range of a Wi-Fi access point, it'll actually send the pictures as you take them to a computer or even to Flickr or SmugMug or, or, you know, picture display sites. So you, I've, I've gone out in the field. This I did a little test just to see if this would work. I got one of those MiFi cards, you know, they're little 3G cards that you use to connect to the, 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 the digital wireless network for your cell phone, but they also then have Wi-Fi. And then I use the Wi-Fi on the MiFi to connect to the iFi. And if you understand what I just said, you're a bigger geek than I think you are. I'm a geek. Use the MiFi to connect the Wi-Fi to the iFi, and then, yeah, you're right, $500 later. (laughs) But it worked. I went out in the field. I was taking pictures of flowers, and when I got home, they were all uploaded to Flickr automatically. It's pretty pretty cool. But this loop, I think, is a little bit closer to what you want. 
Uh, and to tell you how long I've been a geek, I, geek, I started in 1960 with super heterodyne receivers. Super heterodyne receivers. Yay. Yeah. Holocrafter's shortwave radio, listening to, to uh, Radio Moscow, BBC, yep. and... The Congo. Uh, Yes, me too. And I think that was one of the really fun things. I was a a shortwave DXer when I was a kid. Nowadays, it's all the fun's gone out of it because you can listen to any station in the world on the internet. With X, by the way, with excellent quality, (laughs) we would tune in. You'd hear, and it was, but it was great. It was really, it was, it was. You're saying I'm listening to Russia, and I think that's kind of where the ham, the ham thing came from. I think I was always a little bit of a ham, wasn't I? I just never did got the license either. I couldn't learn the code. No more code. Yep, that's great. Let's do it together. Dwight, okay. nice to meet you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Take Bye. care. Yeah, I think we're bringing hams back. I, I know. Okay, I'm, I know. I know. I said I wouldn't talk a lot about this, but I'm just one. One more thing. <laughs> so Bob Hall, I think, is arranged with Icom, which is one of the big manufacturers of ham gear, to have a really nice setup in the new studio. So it's going to be a beautiful setup. We're going to put a, a, a antenna of some co- so I, I don't know what it is, a dipole or something up on the roof. Um, so we'll be able to, you know, we'll be able to do the the two meter, the ten meter. We'll be able, we'll be. I don't know if we'll have HF because, but I, but I, I we'll be able to do a lot of great stuff. So that's going to be fun. And thanks to Bob Heil and Gordon West and uh, the folks at ICOM and everybody because that's just that is so slick. Uh, and I'm, you know what, Gordon, I'm going to give you a little plug because if people want to become hams, it's easy to do now because Gordon, he's, I think he's in Anaheim now that I think about it. He's in Southern California, the Gordon West Radio School. It's gordonwestradioschool.com. And his uh, slogan is Ham It Up. Lance in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. You're next. Hi, Lance Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Leo. I have a question of global significance. Uh, you up to the task? Of global significance? Why not? I'm ready for it. Okay. Actually, this is something I've been pondering myself for a couple of years, but yesterday in a congressional hearing they were asking uh, the Homeland Security type about whether or not things are uh, hardware and software is coming into this country already preloaded with nasties like uh, keystroke loggers, uh, malware, etc. And this guy was kind of doing a fan dance and watching his, his body language indicated to me that the answer was yes. No. If you're getting it from a reliable... Look at everything you use today. Everything from Apple, everything from Dell, everything from Lenovo is made in China. So there's absolutely the, the the theoretical possibility that it could be loaded with stuff. We can't we can't say it's not because it's hard to prove the negative. But if you're getting it from a reliable manufacturer like HP or Dell or Lenovo, it's absolutely fine. Now, if you're buying it from ChineseHackers.com, I might be a little I might be a little bit worried. But no, you, you know, it's easy enough to take a look at a machine. And make sure it's okay. Now, the problem is that malware now we know can be stored, for instance, in the non-volatile memory of a video card, in the non-volatile memory of BIOS, even on the hard drive hidden away in the, the master boot record in other places. So it's, it's absolutely theoretically possible. So get your machine from a reliable source. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 88, 88 Ask Leo. That's the phone number if you want to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater. Two more weeks in the Tech Guy Labs. Then I'm taking my ball and we're rolling it down the street two blocks to the brand new, we call it the Twit Brick House. It's a, a, a 10,000 square foot studio we've been building for the last six months. <laughs> it's finally done. or Well, it, it's not done. I'm told it will be finally done on the uh, 24th. So uh, right after the show on Sunday the 24th, we'll move down there. The first show we'll do from our new studios will be July 30th. Very excited. Very excited. And it, it's going to look beautiful. It's going to sound great because uh, of all the wonderful technology we're putting here, like the uh, Telos Axia digital IP-based audio, the uh, Heil sound mics, the PR40 mics, the, the video, the be, TriCaster 850 from New Tech. I mean, it's just going to be an amazing thing. An amazing thing. Oh, and, and by the way, we'll have this great sound, and then I'll put up the ham antenna, and the whole thing's going to go to heck. Uh, Brian, I'm told that there's ways to avoid that. Brian in Pittsburgh, PA, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Brian. Hey, Leo, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Hey, the reason for the call today, I was uh, looking to buy a computer for a very specific reason. I'm looking to have it be a media computer uh, before football season starts. <laughs> That's great. So that I can tune in. Yeah, so I can tune in uh, ESPN3.com, which uh, I so you know I can get the the best uh, available. El football. Ocho. I'll, I'll watch some international sports. Isn't is is three, it's ESPN3 is not their uh, 3D channel though. It's their 2D channel. No, it's not. It, it is their. Internet only. Uh, that's right. That's right. Type of sports channel. So you're not you know, making you're not making what we would traditionally consider a home theater PC. You do you care if you get cable satellite broadcast on there? Not through the PC because uh, I have that already, and I have an Good. Ethernet. Uh, this is much easier than what you want to do. In fact, you may not even need a PC. Okay. You, you might be uh, wise to buy a boxy box. Or from D-Link, or a Google Television from uh, Google TV from Logitech. These are devices uh, that you attach to your TV, kind of like a game machine. But instead of doing games, what they do is internet television access. So you plug your internet into it, or you use Wi-Fi. And it, it, the two I mentioned have browsers, and the re reason I mention that is so ESPN3 is over the browser. So you need to have a browser. But they'll also get Netflix, they'll get Hulu Plus, they'll get all the other internet broadcasting. Um, and so that's kind of a nice way to go. The only uh, Cheaper than a computer, in other words. Right, right. The only concern I would have with that is the actual video quality, uh, you know, coming into a high-def TV. I mean, well, in, 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 in both those cases, they have HDMI out. They're intended for high-def TVs. Okay. So they'll give Not you really. as good a quality as you'll get from anything. In fact, I think easier than a PC. Do you have an Xbox 360? That's another way to do it. Uh, no, I have a, a PlayStation, which I know their browser is not the... Yeah, uh, not the best. Not the speediest, yeah. So, yeah you know, the, the, it, you might be... It, now, a PC is going to set you back four or 500 bucks. 
Yeah, and I was looking at the Mac Mini, so it'd probably be even more. <laughs> even more, six hundred bucks, three hundred. Sure. Now you now you get a Mac, you get a PC, and it's attached to your TV. So I'll, I'll help you with that in a second. But if you get an Xbox three hundred and sixty for three hundred bucks, you'll get ESPN three. You'll get and you'll get games. You get you get more. So so the the Xbox three hundred and sixty actually has a ESPN three application on it. Oh, does it really? Okay. Yeah. So that's that's appealing, and it's a good excuse to tell your wife. Then you can say, "Well, and I'm getting that, and it just happens that I can play Red Dead Redemption and Halo and all that stuff." Well, that's how I that's how I talked her into the PlayStation. <laughs> it's a Blu-ray player, honey. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a Blu-ray player, and you and you have ESPN three. So that's one way to go. And a Mac a Mac Mini would work fine. The new Mac Minis make it very easy because they also have HDMI out. That's what you're really looking for, because then you'll get digital. You know, the best quality digital high def audio and video out of the back of the box then it just goes right to the TV it couldn't be easier to hook up okay well, very good I really appreciate it. I was just uh, wanting to see what would be the best option for it, so we wouldn't have any stuttering or any yeah I uh, think an Xbox and, and there there is a you could get the least expensive Xbox is under 200 bucks much cheaper than anything else okay so I think that's a good I, really I think that's a good choice yeah it goes nicely with your ps3 I have all, believe me, I have, in fact, I've run out of HDMI ports on my TV. PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Connect is cool too, by the way. Then you get the Connect on there and you can dance in front of your TV while they're playing the, the, the football. Uh, I have a boxy box. I have a, D, uh, 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 a Sony uh, box. I have a, a Roku box. I have, um, what did I leave out? Nintendo Wii. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's like 800 things hanging off this TV. But I, it's my lab. I'm not quite there yet. But, it's uh, my lab, honey. I have to do it. And, and all my wife wants to do is watch TV. She says, what, what do I have to do? <laughs> Can I just have a TV? She goes in the other room. We have an old you know, tube television. She watches Channel 4. That's it. Oh, I just well, want to watch TV. Getting her the iPads and <laughs> yeah, getting really, uh, yeah, really. DVR uh, while I'm watching. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, I have an Apple TV on it, too. That's right. <laughs> And a sling box. Did I mention the sling box? It's crazy. Well, what I was going to do that for the I have this network I was going to get one of those sling uh, things attachments oh, and then get her an iPad too so she can perfect. watch all of her uh, romantic perfect. movies while I'm watching. She, exactly, and she, you know, it works out perfectly. You watch ESPN three, and she's watching the rom coms on her iPad. That's perfect marriage because nobody talks to each other. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can even be in separate rooms. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, thank you, Brian. I, yeah, that's probably the easiest. He's certainly an iMac or a Mac Mini, I should say, would be very would do it very easily. Um, the TV, uh, the iMac is designed with HDMI. That makes it everything simple. The TV doesn't have to be set to a PC setting. You don't have to worry about the resolution and all that. The iMac will just broadcast it just as as you would expect right under the TV. Um, Caffeine free, Dave. Thank you. Good point. Uh, in order to watch ESPN3 on the Xbox 360, you do have to have uh, an Xbox Live account, the gold account. But they're, they're not horribly expensive. Uh, I think I ended up buying the one year for whatever, 99 bucks. Family. That gives you, I think, 99 bucks for a year and you get three accounts, something like that. But there's even less expensive. 88... 88 Ask Leo. That's the phone number. That's a popular thing to do. Watch TV. Uh, watch uh, the internet on your TV. And uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So almost, a, almost a, it feels like an infinite number of ways to do it. And none of them are perfect. That's the only negative. Nobody does everything. Howard in Louisiana. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Howard. Greetings and salutations. 
first-time caller, long-time stalker, Uncle Leo. Hope you don't mind me calling you that. I'm Not at all. Not at all. Greetings and salutations back. Uh, I'm Big Howard. I'm calling from Cushata, Louisiana, and I'm establishing my first website. I've already went ahead and registered with Hover and got my domain name. Good man. Squarespace. Double what? good man. You spo- All of our sponsors. And I'm using the codes. Got my 15% off uh, with my quid code on Hover. I'm going to get my 30% off of my TNT6 on um, Squarespace. Good. But what should I do or not do when I uh, go over to Squarespace to establish it as far as linking, connecting with my, with my uh, domain? Ah, yeah, there's a there's a good uh, there's a good help document on Squarespace. Lots of people do this. Uh, if you go to SarahLane.com, for instance, my co-host Sarah Lane's website is running on Squarespace, but it's not SarahLane.squarespace.com. It's SarahLane.com. So all of the details are on the Squarespace site. I'll tell you what. I'll find the link. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know, but I'll find it for you and I'll put it in our show notes. I have not mentioned, by the way, that we have show notes. We have a whole website dedicated to this. It's not on Squarespace yet. It should be. But it's at techguylabs.com. And uh, this is show 785. It'll all be there uh, for you, Howard, as soon as uh, I get off the air here. Ooh. Thank you. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Okay, that's enough woohoos. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Keith in Victorville, California. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Keith. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. I see you're you're entering you're you're, uh, you're doing your inner Rocky Rocky J squirrel there on. Uh... <laughs> you know, I, I, yes, I am. I, uh, I I don't know where to put the goggles, but that's uh, that's another matter entirely. Yes, you must be watching the live video we're streaming from TechGuyLabs.com. I sure am, Leo. I sure am. I you know, mean, I just uh, figure it's so boring to watch a guy do a radio show that I should dress up. In the teeth. Perfect. They add just enough to it. It adds something to it, doesn't it? And for the people who are listening on the radio, they have no idea. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I, uh, well, first I want to say thank you for all the help that I've, over the years I've been getting from you just by listening to you. But actually, I actually need one here that uh, um, I have a guy. I just bought a Dell computer probably about a month and a half ago. Okay. Um, and what's happening is when I when I go to like Google or Yahoo and I type in a search for this uh, for instance just uh, like Target.com or Target Store, and I, I it opens up you know the browser and I'll say you know you'll just see the home page for that, that that whatever and I click on it it takes me to just some random page and whether it's Google or Yahoo or that's not right. So um, where are you? T- you're typing in the top there the name of where you want to go in the top. Bar there, the in the search bar. Yeah, in the search bar. So it should be opening at that point a Google search window, and it is. And when you click the link in Google, it's not bringing you to the site that you're clicking. No, it takes me to just some random, not the same random site, just like some random site will take me to yellowpages.com, take me to, or something like that. I'll just some random random site. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. What browser are you using? Explorer, Explorer, Internet Explorer Eight. Okay, so you probably have a browser, what they call a BHO, a browser helper object, I would guess. Uh, but it could be something else. It could be that something's modified your hosts at .etsy file. Uh, 
or Etsy, I'm sorry, slash Etsy slash hosts file. It could be that uh, this apparently is a, um, a symptom of a rootkit called TDSS, according to the chat room. So it could be a number of things, but I think your instinct that it is malware is probably correct. Um, this TDSS rootkit, root, uh, you can find out more about uh, from a, a lot of sources if you just Google TD. Oh, you can't Google, though, can you? <laughs> you can't Google. And by the way, that's one of the reasons malware will do this. It may not be the only effect of the malware, but it does that so that you can't, in fact, Google it and find a fix for it. Uh, it kind of randomizes your search results. Um, so I'm looking at... Boy, this is a nasty one, isn't it? In fact, I'm looking at one page. It calls it the stealthiest rootkit in the wild. Isn't that fabulous? What is a rootkit? A rootkit is a particularly nasty kind of malware that hides from the operating system. Uh, it modifies, believe it or not, in order for this to work, it modifies your Windows kernel the fundamental core of Windows in such a way that it can't see the files that represent the malware. They're just invisible, which makes it very hard to fix because if you run an antivirus program, the antivirus program will say, well, let's scan the hard drive. And it doesn't do it on its own. It asks Windows to help it. But Windows can't see the file it's scanning, the, the bad stuff. And so the antivirus program comes back and says, I don't, it's fine. You're clear. You need a rootkit scanner or uh, a scanner that is rootkit aware to do this. And that's a harder thing to write than a traditional antivirus uh, because uh, you have to, in effect, write all the routines to look at the hard drive yourself. You can't rely on the operating, you can't trust the operating system. So TDSS is in the wild, it's quickly spreading. Very few systems detect it because it's a rootkit. Uh, probably the best article is at support.kaspersky.com. Kaspersky does a, a, a is a Russian company does a very don't don't be scared. They're a Russian company that does a very good antivirus called Kaspersky. And if you go to support.kaspersky.com and you search for article two zero eight two eight zero six eight four, you'll find an article on how to remove malware belonging to this TDSS family how to disinfect but it does require the use of a kaspersky program called tdss killer now let me give you the standard speech here if you have this on your system it's highly likely you have other stuff on your system so you can run this tdss killer and kill it but you have really no no assurance that you got it all there could be other things on the system so once you get bit by malware, it's my strong suggestion is is reformatting the drive and reinstalling from a known good source. That's the only way to be really sure. But you can get this TDSS killer. You know the best thing to do. What I would do, perhaps, uh, Keith, is go on a different machine. Maybe get a buddy to do this and download this Kaspersky TDSS killer and put it on a CD. Or a USB key, better a CD because it can't be modified, then bring it back to your computer and run it. I suspect, I'm going to have to look at it, but I would guess that this utility 
download and extract it into a folder on the affected computer and execute it. Hmm. So surprisingly, this program doesn't require you to run it off the CD. You can actually run it from your infected hard drive. That does not reassure me. That really doesn't reassure me. I would like to see any good disinfection tool should really be running off a CD that can't be written to from an operating system that's known good just to make sure. That's really normally how you would kill rootkits. In fact, Microsoft has a rootkit scanner. You could also search for that at your buddies, the Microsoft rootkit scanner that does exactly that. They realize that, well, Windows has been compromised. So what we're going to have to do is make a CD that you boot. The reason they use a CD is because it can't be modified by the virus and then do the rootkit scan. So this Kaspersky runs off the hard drive. That bothers me a little bit. You know, I'm sure it does the job that they claim it does. This is a reputable company, but that uh, bothers me a little bit. You, you probably want to use Microsoft's new rootkit detection tool. Let me see if I can find you the, uh, the right URL for that. Mary Jo Foley wrote about it a little while ago. Uh, actually, Ed Bot, I think it was Ed Bot that discovered it. Uh, yeah, it's consumersecuritysupport.microsoft.com. Looks like that's the place to go. Uh, now, this you could do without going into a search. I'd be curious to see if the rootkit would block this. Consumer Security Support, all one word, consumersecuritysupport.microsoft.com. And then there's a lot of useful stuff here that it, that it can help you with. But I'm of the opinion when, when, I, when this happens to me, I waste no time. I take that machine off the Internet. I boot into a Windows install disk, a good, known good Windows install disk, and I format that sucker. I start over because I'm at that point. I don't want it to get on the net. I don't want it to get uh, uh, affect other computers. I just want to fix it. Randy, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Randy. Hey, Leo. I got a question. Um, I'm still living in the '80s, so I actually just recently bought me a Droid X. Great. And um, I've I've had it for about five months, and um, the last several months, uh, a couple of weeks, it started doing its own thing where it would just turn on and off. It would uh, start the internet up. It would even uh, send about five texts, you know, to, to certain people, and I didn't even send them. So, Oh, that's not uh, good. I, Holy but, cow, that's not good at all. Yeah. yeah Check and, your phone bill and, uh, because you want to make sure that those were not texts to sites that charge you. No, no, it, it, it was, it, it was, and I have unlimited uh, texting. And no, 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 but no, 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 no. This is one of the ways that, uh, one of the big ways that uh, people make money by hacking cell phones is by sending oh. texts that are paid. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, you want to check your phone bill and make sure that you were not subscribed to something inadvertently. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get on that tonight. Yeah, boy, if when that happens, if for, and then wipe your phone. And you know what I would do? I'd bring it back to the Verizon store, and i say, Dudes, this thing's rebooting. It's sending random texts. I want a new one. Well, they did. They just sent me a, a new one. Now, this is what I, I've been thinking about it all night and day. I just thought this is the brand new one I'm talking on, okay? And you use your old SD card. Is it possible? Yes, it could be on the SD card. Wipe the SD card, too. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This is why you're fat. Spaghetti and meatball cake. Oreo pancake breakfast. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy, and it's time to talk computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the digital jazz in our life. Coming up in about half an hour, we got the Gizwiz himself, our gadget guru, Dick D. Bartolo, and Mad Magazine's maddest writer. He'll have a gadget for us. It's always fun on uh, Saturday afternoons with the tech guy, uh, Cindy, our next caller in Playa del Rey, California. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you? Leo? Yes, I'm great. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. It's my daughter, Casey, here. She's 15. Hi, Casey. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) She's so embarrassed right now. (laughs) We are very embarrassed. Smart, but we can't afford a smartphone. So (laughs) we're looking at our options without paying 30 bucks a month. Yeah. In additional whatever... There, there are no options unless you pay for the data. That's the, that's the dirty little secret of smartphones. You might be able to get a smartphone for free or a hundred bucks. Uh, Apple's uh, selling its uh, old 3GS for I think uh, fifty bucks. But in fact, I actually I was at a Radio Shack the other day. They said you want a free iPhone, <laughs> so they're even giving them away. But the reason they can do that is because, but when all is said and done, that uh, that free phone is going to cost you a couple of thousand dollars over two years because of the data plan, because of the monthly fees. Yeah, exactly. So we're wondering if there's possibly a phone that's in between a smartphone and a like normal flip phone that you can't do anything on. Uh, oh yeah, there are lots. In fact, uh, uh, you might look at. I know probably because you're 15, uh, you probably know quite a few people who have Blackberries. This seems to be very popular in high schools uh, because they use the uh, BlackBerry Messenger to talk with one another. Have you seen that around school? Uh, I saw it more in middle school. Yeah, yeah. You'll see yeah. once you get to high school, you're going to see a ton of those. Um, there are companies like Metro PCS that have less expensive uh, uh, plans that do include data. But any smartphone, you know, you can get a feature phone. Uh, but if as soon as there's data, it's going to cost you, you know, at least $25 a month. Yeah. Because that's just how it is. Virgin Mobile, for instance, has a number of inexpensive phones. Um but but twenty five dollars a month for the uh, for the internet access. So, um, what what is it that you need a smartphone for, Cindy? Or actually, it's not Cindy. It's Cindy's daughter, isn't it? Mostly, I just want a smartphone because I can like check my grades online and do other like stuff online. But I'm I just right now I'm just wanting a phone that's not something I can use to like text and do those things on without having like to work around just the normal keys and right. that's better than the regular feature phones right. that they offer. What, what, carrier, what carrier are you using right now? We're using Verizon, and all their feature phones are really not They're good. not good. You might look at the Kin. Are they still selling the Microsoft Kin? Yeah, I was looking at that, but then the guy was like, oh, yeah, you can't get that. It's really bad. You won't like it. Stuff like that. Well, don't listen to the guy because the guy wants to sell you an iPhone. Microsoft Microsoft killed the kin. I mean, it's not, you know, and it's cheap for that reason. 
Um, but the Kin was kind of a half and half smartphone. I mean, it was really designed for 15 year olds, to be honest, uh, who, who that couldn't afford it, didn't want to pay the monthly fee for the data. Um, and I think now that they do offer less expensive data plans for the Kin. Um, yeah. Question though, like, because I know on the I was looking at the kin, and it said that um, some people were saying that you could use Wi-Fi. Well, that's it, that's what I was gonna say. Is that you? Well, here's what you could do: <clears throat> you could get an iPod Touch, which is basically an iPhone minus the phone. Yeah. And uh, th then use Wi-Fi, and now you can do everything you can do on an iPhone except make calls, and then get a very inexpensive feature phone, a dumb phone, for making phone calls. How's that mm -hmm. sound? Because you won't have yeah. any you won't have any monthly data plan, but you'll only be able to use the iPod when you're within Wi-Fi range. Do they have Wi-Fi at your school? Uh, no. Well, yeah, if you can hack into it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let. You know, it's funny because uh, a lot of schools will give you Wi-Fi, but you can't use it in any way you want to. You can't go on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube yeah, or any of the things that you would want to do. Um, are is is it texting that's also important to you, or do you not want to text? Texting a lot. You want to text. I would take a look at the Kin. Uh, the okay. Kin has uh, the Kin. Uh, there's a Kin with a keyboard. It's a little slide-out keyboard, so you could do texting with it. Uh, use don't get a data plan. Use Wi-Fi. Then you have a smartphone, but you have that that doesn't have a data plan. But remember, because you're not paying for the data plan, the only time you'll be able to use data is when you're at home or somewhere with Wi-Fi. It was pretty cool, and I really liked that phone. So yeah, don't let the guy talk you out of it. You know, it's it's kind of a sad story about the Ken. Microsoft um, designed it for exactly this. It was kind of in the middle between a, a feature phone and a smartphone. Uh, and... and uh, Unfortunately, they were charging a smartphone data plan prices on it, and that kind of killed it. Uh, oh, okay. But now you can get a Kin 2 uh, with little little. I think the Kin 2 is the one with a slide-out keyboard. I can't remember. We'll get, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can get it without a data plan. Then it's a regular phone. And then when you're in Wi-Fi range, you can you can you know you can type, you can text, you can do all the things. Uh, that you want to do, and it's you know it's a it's actually a pretty good processor in there. It's not a it's not a bad phone in any in any ways. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. So I would look at the Kin too, even if the guy said don't get it. Um, remember and 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 make sure that they you know agree with this. But remember, I, I believe Verizon gives you at least two weeks, maybe four weeks, to try it, and you can bring it back after you try it because they want to you know you, nobody's going to buy a phone that they can't try. Uh, you know, at all the places they want to use the phone. So say, I'd like to take this and try it and see. I think the Kin 2 is a great choice for a 15-year-old. Uh, do turn off the data networkings because sometimes what they'll do is they'll not charge you for a data plan, but they'll charge you a la carte, and it's very expensive. Um, and, and then I would say don't use the texting. Use the free texting apps uh, that use the Wi-Fi. There's some good choices. There's some other good choices, too. Uh, Metro PCS sells some inexpensive ones as well. But if you want to stay with Verizon, I think the Kin 2 is a good choice. And Jimmy in the chat room is saying that's exactly, or actually Steven's saying it, that's exactly why Verizon doesn't want you to buy it because they, they can't charge you that big monthly data fee. And I think it's a good choice. I think it's a good choice. I, I, th I like the Kin. I almost got it for my kids. 8888 Ask Leo. Good to talk to you, Cindy and daughter. Thanks for joining us. Ron in Indianapolis, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Ron. 
Hi, Leo. How are you today? Well, I'm great. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. Uh, what can I do for you? Question, well, the question I have is is that um, I, I've been working with computers, you know, pretty much since I was in middle school, all the way back from the old Apple II green screen <laughs> computer, floppy, you know, true floppy disk type stuff, and... I never really thought about breaking into the actual IT field, and that's what I'm kind of wanting to do now. Um, I've been trying to think about getting some certifications. Uh, kind of got some materials, trying to study up on my the Comp TIA A plus certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to some people, and they were like, "Oh, well, that's you know, you can get it, but it doesn't really get you very far." The, I, I it's expensive was, to get it uh, because you you know the classes and so forth, and the, or the learning materials. But it, you only really need it for jobs that require it. So if you're applying for a job, and, and a lot of jobs do require it because that's how they know you know your stuff. It's easier for them to say, well, what's your cert than to say, what's your experience? You don't have experience. The certification sometimes is the only way you can get a job. But there are ways to get experience and get that first job. You just have to, you know, kind of talk your way into it or, or find somebody small. You know, this is how I got into radio. Find the smallest, littlest station I could find and say, please, sir, give me a job. That first job, no matter how old you are, is always hard. But if you can get your foot in the door and get the experience, then you won't need the certification. You'll have experience instead. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. Some great suggestions. Cool Breeze suggesting the Palm Pixie Plus. But see, the problem is not the price, Cool Breeze. Only 68 bucks, but Verizon will charge you the uh, 25 or 30 bucks a month data. That's really what we're trying to get around. The price of a cell phone these days isn't the cost of the phone. That's, that's nothing compared to the total two-year cost of the data which is usually almost $2,000. It's a lot of money. How can you get the functionality of a smartphone without paying the price for the data plan? Uh, I, you know, not buying the data plan, obviously, and maybe using Wi-Fi instead. 8888-ASK-LEO. Uh, I don't know if you can get the KIN in Canada. I don't think Microsoft, uh, Verizon, I should say, sells the KIN direct at all anymore, but there are still stores that have the KIN in stock. And I think that's probably your only way to get uh, akin to, if, you're, if that's what you're looking for. Ron in Indianapolis, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Ron. Welcome. Hey, Leo. How you doing? Oh, we talked to you, Ron. You were looking for the certs. Well, that's my suggestion to you. The problem with certification is, besides the fact that it's expensive, is that it, it's, it's only for that first job. Once you got the job, it's going to be experienced from then on. So it's getting that first job that's, uh, that's tricky. Yeah. But do I do wish you the best of luck, and uh, I think you're going to like it. And you're right; if you've been a geek since uh, the early days, you should find it pretty easy to to get up to speed. Mike in Eastvale, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Mike. Hi, Leo. How you doing? I'm great. Where's Eastvale? I never heard of that. It's uh, situated between Corona and Ontario. It's a brand new city, just incorporated last July 1st of uh, 2010. I didn't know they were still making cities. Oh, and there's a new new city out here as well called Harupa Valley. Right. It's amazing. Uh, Riverside County. <laughs> well, you wouldn't think they'd be making new cities. Well, what can I do for no. you today, Mike? Uh, I'm, uh, I consciously do all the Microsoft updates Good. and install them. 
Uh, is there a way to get rid of all those updates? Or no, you don't want to get rid of them. <laughs> get rid of them. <laughs> you see, I know what you're saying is you look through your ad remove programs and you see a bunch of hot fixes. Yes. Yes. Don't touch them. Oh, okay. If you get rid of. <laughs> Two things can happen. First of all, if you if you uninstalled them, then you no longer have the protection. And uh, if you just deleted them, then worse, you probably your system wouldn't even run. So okay. just keep those. I know that it feels like my goodness, my drive's going to start filling up. They're actually not that big, and uh, I'm going to guess. I'm sure this is the case. I should ask Paul Thorotter, a Windows expert, but I would guess when you, for instance, get a a service pack, which is a roll up of all the hot fixes, it doesn't duplicate. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have two copies of the fixes on there. Uh, either the service pack would delete previous hot fixes that are no longer needed, or wouldn't install the hot fixes that you've already got a copy of. I, I don't know though, and that's um, maybe some Microsoft expert in our chat room can tell me. If you want to get in the chat room, by the way, uh, TechGuyLabs.com is a website. There's a link to the chat room, the video, previous shows, 784 of them. We have the audio of almost all the shows going back to 2004. And all the notes, James DeRuvo just writes as I talk, and he writes it all down and puts it in there. So it's a, it's a great resource. We're about, and I've been saying this for years, but I really think it's finally going to happen. In the next six months, we're going to do a redesign, and this is going to make it much more useful. And one of the things we're going to do, and I hope you'll consider helping us on this, uh, is create a team tech guy for people who want to uh, help me answer questions. So what we'll do, I mean, the chat room kind of already is the team tech guy, but what we'll do is we'll allow people after the show to come back, look at a question, look at my answer, and then add to it if they want. And uh, we'll have, you know, rewards for the people who give the best answers or have the most uh, plus votes uh, every month. It's going to be fun. So watch for that. That'll be on the new Tech Guy site. And it's going to take us a few months. TechGuyLabs.com. The site that's there right now is functional. That's the best I can say for it. We're going to Wisconsin next. Adrian on the line. Hi, Adrian. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon uh, to you. I have a question about AutoCAD. Okay. This is where I'm going to need Team Tech Guy because I don't know anything about AutoCAD. Go ahead. Okay. Well, maybe the it's a problem running it on a computer. Uh, I have AutoCAD 2007. Uh, and uh, I used to run it on Windows XP. I now have Windows 7, um, and it does not want to run on that. And there's supposed to be something called a AutoCAD SR2 patch. Have you any information on that SR2 patch? Uh, I don't. I do know that... Uh I do believe that AutoCAD can run in compatibility mode. I'm just looking through here. I know it's, I know it's not on Adobe's, uh, or I'm sorry, Autodesk's list of Windows 7 supported products, but I think that uh, it might run in compatibility mode. That's a that's an interesting question. Um, chat room, you got some solutions for you? Answers.microsoft.com. How do I install AutoCAD 2007 on Windows 7? Look at that, Microsoft, how handy. And their answer is uh, from the AutoCAD website, both the 32 and 64-bit Autodesk does not support officially support older versions on Windows 7. 
And they're saying the same thing I am, which is you could try compatibility mode. So what you do is you create an application shortcut or you find the application shortcut, right-click on it, select properties, and then select compatibility from the menu in the properties page and see if that works. And that looks like that's the, that's the official answer from Autodesk and Microsoft, which, frankly, uh, doesn't look like I'm just looking at responses to this. It may not work. Have you tried compatibility mode? Uh, no, sir, I have not. Well, that's certainly the first thing I would try. Okay. Um, and it looks like it does uh, at least a few of the people who responded to this Microsoft thread. And I'll, I'll put this thread in the show notes. How do I install AutoCAD 2007 on Windows 7? At least a few of the people who are responding to this forum, this Microsoft answer, say, yeah, that worked. So right-click on the shortcut. Select Properties, select Compatibility Mode, and then set it to Windows XP or something similar. You may have to fiddle around a little bit with it uh, besides that. It says, Run this program in Compatibility Mode. Uh, they suggest Windows XP Service Pack 2. Um, and then they say, if that doesn't work, try another version of Windows. <laughs> Correct. Uh, this, this is Microsoft's answer, by the way. <laughs> uh, Auto, Autodesk's answer is it doesn't work. Okay, but uh, I, I would give that a try. You know, this is an unfortunate thing because you know Auto AutoCAD 2007 isn't that old, but nope. uh, it's Autodesk, the company that makes it, has decided not to support the newest version of Windows. Of course, why would they do that? Well, because they'd like you to buy the new version. If all of that fails, there is another thing you can do, Adrian, which is run it in virtualization. And this will work just fine. Uh, you can use the free VirtualBox uh, from VirtualBox.com uh, and uh, install Windows XP into the VirtualBox. Now, while you're running Windows 7, you'll open AutoCAD 2007, and it'll run window in, inside a Windows XP instance. So worst case, that's what you, what you would do. I, wouldn't, I would just be so angry at Autodesk, I wouldn't buy another version of it. Take that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, a comment, suggestion. Cool Breeze in our chat room. We have a wonderful chat room. Cool Breeze in our chat room suggests the Palm Pixie, which you can apparently get contract-free, so you don't have to buy a data plan. The Palm Pixie Plus. Uh, this was a, a failed... <laughs> A failed device, like the Kin. Uh, Palm, of course, remember, did the Palm Pre. Then they sold the WebOS operating system to um, Hewlett-Packard. The Pixie is a WebOS-based web uh, Mini Pre, kind of. But he suggests uh, the Pixie Plus, uh, no contract from Verizon, because it will do, you know, a lot of things. And if you're on Wi-Fi, you can get the data, but you just don't buy, you buy it without a contract. So it's AT&T and Verizon both uh, carry the Pixie Plus. And he says this is more powerful, does more than the Pre. So there's another solution for people who want to buy a phone with smartphone capabilities but not pay for a data plan. Look for, and because this is discontinued, you'll probably be able to find it, a contract-free Palm Pixie Plus. It was, you know, I loved the Palm Pre. The hardware wasn't very powerful, but I really liked the Palm Pre. And unfortunately... Uh, the new uh, HP uh, touchpad, their tablet based on that same operating system, is also underpowered. A lot of people are complaining it's kind of sluggish. Kind of a shame. 
8888-ASK-LEO. Let's go to Marilyn, who's in California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Marilyn. Hello. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm fine. What can I do for I you today? I want to know what the purpose of a PDF file. What does it do for it? What is it for? change over <laughs> pdf what is it good for so pdf <laughs> stands for portable document format it's something adobe came up with and it's the problem that it solves is if i create a document in my word processor and then i give it to you uh the chances are well you're not going to, the document's not going to look the same. You may not have the same fonts. If you're using a different program than the program I used to create it, you, you either can't open it, or if you do open it, it may not be laid out the same. So Adobe said, we need a way to store documents so that it looks the same for everybody. And, you know, it's been a very successful format because uh, company, companies, even government agencies like the IRS, distribute documents in this PDF format. And they know that if you download from the IRS website a 1040 uh, PDF, it's going to look the same on your computer as every other computer, whether it's a Mac or a PC or whatever. Same fonts, same layout. And so that's, it's, it's essentially a portable document. It's a document that can be anywhere. So uh, on Windows and Macintosh, uh, you'll frequently run into PDFs. You'll run, run into them on the web as well. Um, usually it's for forms or, uh, or, or manuals. Often uh, companies distribute their manuals in PDF form. Um, yeah, so that's why you'll see a lot of PDFs. Now, there is a problem. Uh, Adobe, which makes the most common PDF reader for Windows, the Adobe Reader, uh, has a lot of security issues with Reader. And it's possible to make a PDF file that actually contains a virus because of a flaw in the reader. So if you are using Adobe Reader, their free PDF reader, I would update it. Uh, the good news is that Windows 8 will have PDF rendering built in. It'll, it'll automatically uh, read PDFs. You won't need any additional software. If you are on Windows, maybe instead of Adobe Reader, you might want to get uh, Foxit or Cute PDF. There are a number of free PDF uh, readers that uh, don't have the same security issues that Adobe Reader. If you're using Reader, it's fine. Just make sure you keep it up to date. And Adobe's at least done a good job of, keep, of keeping it up to date and fixing those holes. So that's why there's a PDF. That's why you need a PDF reader. On the Mac, you don't because it, Mac comes with Preview, which reads all, almost all PDF files without any trouble. So, in fact, on, on the Mac side, you can create PDFs free as well. That's an important distinction. There's Reader, which reads them but doesn't let you create them. And then there's Distiller or Adobe Acrobat, which actually lets you create PDFs. If you want to make your own PDFs for distribution, you might need some software. There's other software you can download that some of it's for free that will let you create PDFs by printing. You print I put print in quotes. You print a file to the disk that is in PDF format. So there, there are ways, inexpensive ways, and even free ways to make PDFs on Windows. On the Macintosh, it's just built in. Every time you print a document, you can also save it as a PDF if you prefer. Uh, I'm looking at the chat room. They're recommending some uh, alternatives for uh, Adobe's product. It looks like uh, Nitro PDF Reader. That's what uh, Quaker says. PDF Exchange View is another one. Open Office has PDF reading and writing built in. LibreOffice, which is a form of Open Office, has the same. 
there are lots of lots of uh, decent choices. Uh, by the way, Strength says that the Foxit installer comes with some intrusive toolbars and browser add-ons. You want to make sure you don't install those as well. Uh, PDF creator and cute PDF, says Dan, to generate basic PDFs that works. There are lots of good choices out there. PDF is not going away. It's a, it's a standard, and I think it's gone well beyond what Adobe had the... Uh, had uh, certainly beyond Adobe's proprietary ownership and well beyond what Adobe had thought uh, for it. It's it's everywhere now. David in Wisconsin, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, David. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. What can I do for you? Um, we have a family Verizon cell phone plan, and we got an early upgrade for the two kids um, because they wanted unlimited data, and I guess Verizon was only offering the unlimited data plan until about July 7th. It ended Thursday. Boom. Yeah, that's what we heard. Anyway, for 30 bucks a month, that's not too bad. And they wanted the iPhone 4. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Course and they, do. they also wanted everything else that money can buy. But <laughs> what, they, what the one kid is going to do, he said he's going to jailbreak is Apple iPhone 4, and my question to you is, first, what is jailbreaking, and secondly, um, will that mess up the warranty and or will it generate costs, and um, I'd sure love to hear your response. It sounds scary, doesn't it? You're going to what? I told him I'd break his neck. <laughs> the good? <laughs> no. First of all, it's, uh, oh, I'll tell you what jailbreaking is. It is merely modifying the phone in such a way. Right now, the iPhone, the way it's set up, you can only run applications that Apple says are okay. You have to get them through the Apple App Store. When you jailbreak an iPhone, it allows you to get apps from other sources, including Sedia. There are a number of uh, app stores that are not Apple. But, but Apple won't let you use those app stores unless you jailbreak. Jailbreaking gives the phone uh, more capabilities. It is completely legal. We, we know that the Librarian of Congress uh, uh, declared it legal about a year ago. Apple wasn't happy about that, as you might imagine. And they fumfered around, they, but they really couldn't say anything about it. They didn't even say it voids your warranty. They say, well, well, it might void your warranty. The truth is, if you jailbreak an iPhone, and I've done it many times, and you decide you don't like it, don't want it, or you're having a problem with it, you can reverse it very easily in iTunes. You just restore the phone, and it's unjailbroken, undetectably unjailbroken. It's, it, there's no way Apple can say, oh, this was jailbroken. So it's legal. Uh, Apple doesn't like it, but they really can't do anything about it. And if you decide you don't like it, you can always restore it. What, what are the negatives? There are some negatives. Uh, it can make the phone a little less reliable, particularly if you install software that's not very good. It is possible, in fact, to install bad software or even perhaps malware if you're not careful. So you should be careful about what you install. Uh, but there's plenty of information about what's out there and what not to install, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Most kids, uh, or many kids, do jailbreak their phones just so they can get free programs uh, from stores like Sadia. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's certainly not illegal. All right. Well, thank you. All right. My pleasure, David. It, is, it sounds scary. They need a better name. On the Android side, they call it rooting. Same idea, though. It's it's It just gives you more control over your phone. 8888-ASK-LEO. The Gizwiz, Dick Bartolo coming up next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy... Just as an experiment during the break, 
It's very easy to uh, to uh, jailbreak an iPhone. Rooting and r- installing new ROMs on an Android phone takes a little more... Uh, it can be a little bit more challenging, especially if you have a newer Android phone. I have a uh, T-Mobile G2X, which I love. And I just thought, just as a kind of experiment in the break, um, could I root and install a new ROM on this G2X phone? It's still installing. But before the before the next segment's done, we will have done that, and, and so that's kind of cool. You could, in fact, Android almost encourages it. It's an open operating system, and they really kind of make it possible in most cases for you to modify the phone to your heart's content. But understand, when you jailbreak an iPhone or you root an Android phone, you may affect reliability. You perhaps, in some cases, could open it up uh, to uh, malware, although. At least on the iPhone, the, the the fix for the last bad hack on the iPhone was in fact jail jailbreaking the phone. All right, hey, let's uh, let's bring our our favorite gadget hound on right now, Dick D. Bartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer for the best part of the last eighteen hundred years. And the yes, exactly, yes. exactly. Hey, Dick, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. Well, you know, you rooting the phone during that commercial uh, reminds me when I was on screensavers and I flew out and my computer had crashed. <laughs> and you said, oh, give me that. And actually, during the show, you were actually you missed talking to three guests because well, you I didn't really want to talk to them anyway. <laughs> no, but during each commercial, you would just. <laughs> And by the 15-minute mark, you had fixed it. It was just amazing. Well, amazing. I just every once in a while, I have to do that to prove that I, in fact, do know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you should do it again soon because <laughs> I'm having my doubts. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since I've proven that I know what I'm doing, as a matter of fact. No, you prove it every, you prove it six <laughs> hours every weekend. My word. Well, Dick, it's great to talk to you. Uh, there he is in Disneyland, the home of uh, the gadget crazed Dick D. Bartolo, and every week you bring us something fun, something different. Yeah, well, you know, we're into July, so I thought we'd talk about the Coleman Instant Tense. Yes. Now, yeah, now they're not instant in as much as... You just you add know, water, right? Yes, exactly. Someone sent me a thing and said, Instant Tense have been around forever. Take a look at this, and they sent me a picture of a little pop-up tent, you know, that a kid would use in the backyard. The instant Coleman tents, they are four, six, and eight-person tents. They are. So, they are not just pop-up tents. No. They're, no, they they're are big wa- tents. Yes. They are walk-in, stand-up yeah. tents. Some of them have a eight-foot headroom. The biggest one is 10 by 14 feet. But what is amazing about them is that all the stanchions, all the canvas, all the nylon, everything is totally connected. Now, I did have one in person. You, it really is a two-man job, but you unfold it. It quickly opens up. With everything in place, all you do is you telescope the rods until they lock. And when they lock, your tent is now ready to be set up. The only thing you'll have to do in addition, if it's windy and you're not in your backyard where you can't nail into cement, you'll want to put down the tent stakes. Uh, But everything else is totally attached, a little bit more difficult to fold it up, maybe five minutes. So basically, you uh, unstick. 
uh, stick all the rods, push them back in, and then you have a ton of air in the tent. So if you roll it tightly on the ground, the air will slowly escape, and you can get the tent back into the bag. So it's pretty amazing, and not terribly pricey. Um, $149 for the four-man tent on Amazon. It's 137 and uh, it goes on up. I didn't get to the, the price for the biggest one. I think it's 229 uh, something like that. But now, yeah. can you do this? Can one person do this, or do you, you know, still Leo, need it's help? It's really difficult for one. I tried to do it. It's much easier. You, it, you know, one person takes that out of the bag, but as you unfold it, these things are pretty big. So you have one person at each side. You walk away with the tent, uh, uh, the people watching in video, uh, as they pull it open. It's really a two-man job. But, but this is really a, a lot easier and, and a lot faster than a traditional oh, yeah. large tent. You, yeah, the yeah. regular tent, you drop all those. I had a, a do-it-yourself greenhouse. You drop all those pipes on the ground, and you go, what? Is this an erector set? This right. is ridiculous. Right. Uh, so this is very easy and just in time for summer and pretty reasonable. I just uh, gave a quick look again. Looks like the four-man uh, tent is down on Amazon to 110 with free shipping. Well, that's so cheap. Pretty, wow. That's, yeah. That's very yeah. affordable. Well, Dickie D. And your you, tent, is, are we going to have a tent down uh, in the basement of the new Twitter? We could. Now? I mean, you don't really Lisa need a tent. You're inside. Yeah, she told me. <laughs> I'll be staying on premises. We're going to put you up at the new studio opening. Actually, this so is going to be fun. Just, Dick will be in studio uh, with us on July 24th when we... Yeah, uh, two weeks from tomorrow. Yeah, when we launch the new... Uh, two, is it... Uh, are you kidding me? Two weeks from tomorrow? Holy cow, yes. how are we going to get the studio done by then? Tomorrow, might be doing tent. the show from a tent in the basement. If you go to <laughs> I'll Dick's... The, I'll ship the tent out. Will you please? Dick. We need that tent. Gizwiz.biz, that's the website. Uh, and Dick has a great contest he does all the time called What the Heck Is It? A chance to win from Mad's Maddest Writer, an autographed copy of the most recent Mad Magazine. He gives away 12 for the best correct answers and up to 24 for wrong answers. So yeah. he really doesn't care yeah. if you get it right. It, now, what is that? It looks like, uh, well, I'm not going to well, say. Now, it. isn't that kind of the object of the game? To get it wrong? Yeah. Only in <laughs> Mad Magazine no, land. No, right. Only uh, in Disneyland. It would be very land. funny if the first day of the new contest you said, what is that? And I said, oh, you mean the floating ashtray? Oh, no. No. No, it's no not hints. A floating, no hints. Not a floating ashtray. Go to gizwiz.biz, click the what the heck is a contest, and good luck. Thank you, Dick. Stay around. Okay, Stick buddy. here. Stay here because we're going to do the weekly daily Gizwiz, our show, right after this. I'll Don't go here. away. Yes, I'm counting on that, Dick. Meanwhile, I think I have enough time to get a call or two in from Burbank, California. Tom is our next caller listening on the great KFI. Hi, Tom. Hi, how are you today, Leo? Wonderful. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, I got a question. Facebook. Uh, the other morning, my wife got a call from her friend saying, how come you weren't talking to me the, uh, this morning on Facebook? And this was at 6 o'clock in the morning when, when supposedly she was on there. Well, she wasn't. My question is, is, is this pretty easy to get hacked into? Well, the way people get hacked, yes. People, there are a number of hacks on Facebook. Um, they usually come from somebody else who was hacked, somebody in your circle of friends, because you know that's you'll, what you'll see, and it's 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 is usually something like, "Oh, I can't believe I got video from last night," and a link, and it's somebody that you know, it's somebody on Facebook. You go, well, "Last night, what did I do? Oh, I don't. What happened?" 
what could she be talking about? So you click the link. It takes you to a page that looks like, in some cases, looks like a YouTube page. But it'll say, oh, you don't have the latest version of Flash. Please download it so that you can watch this video. Now, at this point, this has happened so many times to us in I mean, normally that we just go, oh, yeah, I probably don't. And you click the link. You download what you think is Flash and, in fact, is malware, is an infection, which then does two things. First of all, you don't see the video ever. But what it does is it sends out the same link to all of your friends on Facebook. So did she say that uh, she was on in chat? Yes. I haven't seen that in particular, but uh, it could be. There's another way this could happen. Uh, if it's not malware, there's a program called Fire Sheep. Now, I don't think this is what happened because in order for this to work, your wife would have to be using Facebook on her laptop at an open access point, you know, a coffee shop or somewhere, or a library. If, if you do that, then there's a program that can be run by hackers, and millions of copies of this program called Fire Sheep have been downloaded, that lets the hacker then... Pretend to be you on whatever you're logged into. So it's possible. Uh, I'm looking now at our chat room, and it looks like uh, somebody's seen this exact same malware in chat. So it is. So I guess there is malware doing taking advantage of chat. So, Tom, it sounds like your wife's either your wife's password has been compromised, in which case she needs to change it. I would change it immediately. If if anybody says to you, "Oh, I saw you this morning on Facebook, and you weren't there," first thing change your Facebook password. Secondly, you probably do have some malware on your system and it's doing exactly this. Uh, that means you want to run an anti-malware scan. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, you might want to try ESET's uh, Nod32. If you go to ESET.com, there's a lot online scan you can run there. Uh, get a second opinion from antivirus.com. That's a, uh, from Trend Micro. There are a number of these online antivirus scans. If you don't have your own antivirus, even if you do, it's not a bad idea to get a second opinion and see if any of them can find the malware. It sounds like there is something going on in your system or your wife's password's been compromised. Out of time. Be back later. Come back and join me, won't you? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Bye-bye.